welcome to The Car Trade Revisited, a podcast series where we talk about the industry we all love and have running in our blood. I'm Gordon McLeish. I've spent over five decades in the car trade. Coming weeks, I'll try to inform, entertain and hopefully remind you of the things you forgot. Things that make us all caries. So join me on my journey. episode I said I'd cover the road to a sale in more depth. So as promised I'll attempt to entertain you with the road to a sale expanded. But before I do I'd like to talk about two of the three best trainers I've ever seen. They're from America as lots of trainers were but these were special. It was Ernie Tex Pritchard, a chap called Jackie B. Cooper and the third was Clint McGee. But I never got to meet him in person because uh, uh, he didn't run a seminar that I attended but I did attend a seminar for Ernie Tex he came to our dealership and Jackie B Cooper and he also came to our dealership Uh, they really could sell the message they're all in your face and full of energy and enthusiasm Ernie Tex Pritchard was quite a different person to the other two he's a bit more quiet spoken a little bit of a gospel person Uh, he wrote a lot of religious books I'm told but a long Texas drawl with those long pauses, soft, often spoken, and then high-pitched when he wanted your attention. He was a proud Texan, was bejeweled with a huge, expensive, solid gold Rolex watch, a ring on his finger that was just equally as huge, and um, the sort that you see sports people in the United States showing off when they win a Super Bowl, or, you know, the Navy SEALs in movies when they graduate. His was gold, but it had a humongous diamond set in it. Uh, that's to show that arm from Texas, the Lone Star State, he used to say. Very brash, over the top, just ostentatious, really. It's funny how we Aussies aren't that impressed with all that shit. Ernie had a system called Control Incorporated, where everyone went through the desk to say, you, you, you sort of stayed out of the way in a sales booth doing follow-ups and phone calls and mail-outs and until you were called by the control desk and informed, just like a baseball batter, I suppose, it's your up. A lot of Americanism in the words that they used back then. You had no control. The dealership controlled the sale. You had no price list other than full retail. And when you did your part in the sales process, like the meet and the greet and the presentation, the demonstration ride, etc., You returned to the showroom and you picked up the phone and you phoned what they called the control desk. You're then given four numbers which you repeated out loud and wrote them down while the customer listened and watched what you were writing. And you would repeat, uh, here we go, uh, the price of our car is, yeah, let me write that down, the trades market value is, okay, right there, the changeover would be, okay, and the weekly payments are... $222, right, thank you. Then you held the phone away from your ear and you said to the customer, "Uh, Mr Customer, my manager says that the car you're proposing to purchase today, the numbers are, and you repeated those four things, one, two, three, four. Are you happy to sign an order and give me a deposit and take delivery today based on these numbers? And then you shut up. You never use price. You always use numbers, never price, money or cash. Always part payments, your investments. It was quite an interesting concept as it flushed out all the hidden objections. 
it helps sort out what we need to do to get them to buy today. Your customers would always complain about one of those four numbers. It's designed to do that. You know, you'd hear them come back with, "How much did you say that was? Or how much are you giving me from a trade-in? Or I can't afford that changeover. Or these weekly payments—they're just too high." And that really told you that their only complaint was the weekly payment or maybe the trading value. They're happy with the other three numbers. So instead of mucking around with four objections, you found out that there was one hidden or stuck. I remember during the training process that Ernie used a statement I used forevermore in my selling and my management career. I can't close a door that ain't been opened, so don't ask me to close your sale if you haven't done the proper and correct opening process. I hated it. So did most of the others in my era who'd been trained so differently. But young newbies were entering the trade, and that's how they thought cars were sold. So they took to it with enthusiasm. Battery hens? Mm, maybe. Process, process, process was the message back then. The 40 years that he'd been in business, Pritchard combined his selling talents with Texas Savvy. He coined that saying, it's your up. You know, it's a bit of an Americanism, but what they're basically saying is the next person coming in is yours. No lot lizards hanging around the lot, he would say. They should be out the back being productive in the phone room or the phone booth room, following up leads, old owners, jumping heads and um, burning people because you just want to get to the next person. The ones that you were with didn't look very productive or you thought they wouldn't buy today, so you burnt them and went on to the next person. But uh, Jackie B, he, he was a different trainer. His message was never ask the customer, can I help you? And to be fair, most of us did. He'd say, separate the people from the problem or other than the price, Mr Customer, would you own the car today? I learnt the art of using the three Fs from Jackie. The three F's are feel, felt and found. So in a conversation you'd say to a client, look I can appreciate how you feel about the price. In fact I felt the same way myself until I found out the improvements that were included in this price. When taking a phone call inquiry and you wanted the customer to come in to the dealership, he'd say just tell them Mr Customer I think I've got a buyer for your car. Now you know, in a way you have the valuer, the used car manager, the wholesaler, they buy your wholesale trade-in, so you're not telling a lie, he used to say. You do have a buyer for their car. To determine where they were in the road to buying, he suggested, when you're appraising the trade-in, always check the boot to see if it's cleared out. Look in the glove compartment to see if it's cleared out too. Are there any personal items in the car? If it's all been cleared out, they're ready to do a deal today. They think that once they do, you're going to take the trade from them. So at home, everything gets out. Everything's cleaned away. They're ready to buy now. And Jackie B. Cooper also taught me one last thing. When all else fails and it looks like they're leaving, do the winner's walk. Walk with them from your desk all the way through the showroom, all the way out on the lot, all the way to their car. And then just pull them over and say, look, Mr. Customer, before you go, uh, this is my living, this is my income, I derive income only from selling cars. Can you help me, is there something I've done wrong or said or didn't do that stopped you from buying a car today? Very powerful, works a lot. Sometimes it doesn't, some people can pull that off, others can't. Anyway, enough of that said, 
let's move on to the steps of the sale in more detail. So here we go. The road to a sale in more detail. Now, step one is the meet and greet. This is where the salesman meets the customer at the car and says, welcome to ABC Autos. And My name's John, what's yours? Are you here to see someone specific? The customer will respond by saying, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm here looking at your small cars or your SUVs, etc." This is one of the most vital steps as you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. So be on your game day with plenty of positive attitude. And for goodness sake, don't ask, can I help you? Because you're going to hear the old chestnut that customers throw back at you. Uh, no thanks, I'm just looking. Step two. Called fact-finding and other other words that aren't as uh, nice, but fact-finding seems to be the positive way of calling this step. It's where you are, in fact, fact-finding, <laughs> gathering information for what the customer's looking for. If they're financing or paying cash, have a trade-in, no trade-in. The one thing is what the customer is driving now that you have to find out early because past purchases mimic future purchases. Also, if you can ask questions about the car the customer's driving now without getting too confrontational about what they're looking for. For instance, John, you said that you're wanting to trade in your van. Um, have your needs changed or do you still need the room uh, that you require in that van? Most customers will open up at that stage and tell you their life story and why they do or do not need the extra room in the van or their family situation's changed or their job situation, they need a particular type of transport. Step three, select a vehicle. This is where you've narrowed down what the customer's looking for. It's where you're ready to select a vehicle out of inventory, if possible, of course. You've narrowed it down to, say, a sedan or a hatch. You've narrowed it down essentially what is important, like appearance or comfort or economy, durability, safety. Then you pick the vehicle that you want to explore further. Step four, presentation and demonstration. First and foremost, you want to get the vehicle away from the other cars. You don't want to do a walk around with other cars nearby to distract the customer, especially if you're selling a used car. Pull the car away from the back or the side of the building, even off the lot would be better. Whatever works for you. When doing your presentation or your walk around, always start at the bonnet, look under the hood, then go to the rear of the vehicle, then the passenger side, but lastly have your customer sit in the passenger seat so that you can go over the inside features, the sat-nav, the Apple CarPlay system, the digital display system, etc. You then get behind the wheel and after going over the features that you've just, I've just stated, start out on the test drive, the demo drive, with the salesman, you, the salesman, driving first. Predetermine a good location for the swap over and then let the customer drive back to the dealership. Step five is called trial close. Now the trial close could be actually anywhere in the process but it's just a subtle question here and there to find out if you're on the right track and the right vehicle. It could be something as subtle as can you see this vehicle parked in your garage or your driveway. It could be as bold as in terms of figures and if they're agreeable we'd buy the car today. But always assume the customer's buying until they say they're not. This may not come up until we're closing the deal, but you will sell more cars by assuming all customers are ready to buy today or they wouldn't be here. I mean, we don't sell milk and bread. We sell motor cars. Step six, trade-in evaluation and trade-in walk-around. 
This is where you write up the trade for information for the used car manager or the valuer to appraise its value. It's a step that you can actually gain some ground on. Where do most fights start in your sales process? They normally start when discussions come to that old chestnut, the one that they're all desperate to ask early in your sales presentation. What's my trade-in worth? Can you give me my value of my trade-in? Have your customer tell you about the trade-in early and then take a test drive in their car. So just say you know, something as cheeky as, hey, John, sell me your car because I'm going to have to sell it to my manager or my valuer, the man that puts the wholesale value on your vehicle or the market value. Can you read out the odometer for me, John? Thank you. Do a silent walk around of their car, touch spots and scratches without saying anything. As you're driving their trade-in, notice everything that the car does wrong and make mental notes. This will bring down the expectations later in the negotiations of how much the customer wants for their trade. It also helps you explain why your number that you give them is different to their expected number. And if you can say, yes, you're probably right, Mr Smith, but the trade-in that you're giving us, do you remember we looked at it, needs four tyres, it needs a crack in the windscreen fix, etc. It helps bring down the expectation later. Step seven, the write-up. This is where you get all the pertinent information from the car the customer's buying, including their trade-in info, all on paper. Is, uh, is there a balance or a payout? If so, call the credit source uh, the money's owed to and get an accurate payout on the trade-in. And don't forget to get a payout reference number when it's due by as well. Your write-up should be so complete that a sales manager should have all that he has in front of him, doesn't need to ask any further information after reviewing your piece of paper. He doesn't have to call you back, Gordo, what have you, what's this? This doesn't add up. Make sure it's right when you present it to your manager for approval. Negotiate and close. This is the fun part of the process, the part I always loved. A lot of salesmen hate this part of the sale due to the fear of loss. It's where you come together on numbers with the customer. The less times you go back and forth to your sales manager, the more money you'll make. An illustration here is pretty helpful, I suppose. Suppose you're presenting figures to your customer. Prior to the write-up, they ask about an accessory, say floor mats, for example. You present the figures to your customer. The floor mats are priced at $25, and the customer says, wow. I get four mats for a lot less than that. This may or may not be true, but do not lose focus on what is important here. You can either negotiate the price of those floor mats or can you negotiate the terms of the sale of the car. The mistake salespeople make here is becoming involved in a lengthy negotiation about bloody floor mats and their pricing. They give all sorts of reasons and justifications about why the quoted price of the mats is fair. Yes, the road to a sale in step eight is about negotiation, but remember which one is most important. They may win this negotiation, but they've lost focus on the sale of the vehicle, and so is the customer. Instead of getting off focus, why not say, look, Mr. Customer, I'm certain my dealership would not miss your business over a couple of dollars for floor mats. I'll work on that figure but for you, but before I do, I want to make certain the rest of the figures are agreeable. Now you have the customer and yourself back on track. You're negotiating the terms of sale of the car. Accessories are certainly a part, but they're not the main focus here. Step nine, proper double close. 
This is where you introduce the customer to your manager. This is a double close. Tell the customer the manager will go over the numbers again before they leave to, uh, quote, think about it. Remember, no one walks unless your manager talks. Step 10, delivery. This is what we call showtime. In most dealerships, it's where you make sure that the car's clean, full of gas. Never leave it for other people to check your car. If it's your delivery, go out to the detailing bay, check the car over, check that they put the spare wheel back in the boot, check that everything's there, check, check, check. Go over the warranty info, the owner's manual's there, and then sit down with the client and do the same again. Look, a lot of dealerships have handover people. That's okay. But if it's up to you to hand the vehicle over, make sure that you do it in stages as well. Tour the dealership, tour the service department. Go over the car to make sure the customer knows about how the radio works, how the sat-nav works, how the heater controls work. It's also where you get referrals. So there you are. Not rocket science, is it? Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review or subscribe to or follow the podcast on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Gordon McLeish, and thank you for listening.